This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This is episode 116, entitled The Origins of the Johannine Logos That Was With God. As always, the Biblical Unitarian Podcast is the podcast aiming to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us today at the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. My name is Dustin Smith, and as always, I will be your host. Hope everybody is staying well and positive during this time of quarantine, and hopefully people are enjoying the various episodes of this podcast. We are continuing to explore the prologue of John's Gospel by examining the origins of its depiction of the Logos, the Word. In our last episode, we looked closely at what the Word meant in the Old Testament by surveying its lexical meaning. We observed that the Old Testament word was variously defined as a spoken utterance, a report, a good thing, a bad thing, and God's command. Sometimes it was even God's own instruction. We also saw that, at times, the Old Testament word was personified as a figure alongside Yahweh. When the word was personified, it acted as an obedient agent, particularly in acts of creation and redemption. By portraying God's own word as a personified agent, the Hebrew poets were able to paint a picture where God's utterance was powerfully creative and interactive with those who lived on earth. While the word was personified as an agent, this word was never once portrayed as a conscious divine person alongside God. Nor was there any hint or suggestion that this word was an angelic messenger or some sort of heavenly being. I would also add that the personified word is never called the Son of God, as if the Son existed in heaven alongside Yahweh. The personified word was in the beginning with God, and this word was God's own utterance, through which God created the universe and all that is in it. When the Johannine prologue begins by stating, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, it seems abundantly clear that this is drawing on the depiction of the personified Word as it is portrayed within the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament. In this episode, I want to look more closely at the phrase, and the word was with God, in John chapter 1, verse 1. Having found considerable success 
in tracing the personified word back in the Hebrew Bible, I want to examine how God's word and the parallel wisdom of God are depicted in the Old Testament and in Second Temple Jewish literature as being, quote, with God, end quote. I am in agreement with specialists of the Gospel of John who say that when the fourth gospel was written, God's word was regarded as synonymous with God's wisdom, particularly when they were personified. Part of the reason why word and wisdom were considered synonyms is that both are personified as agents of God in Jewish text, and both are portrayed as being with God in the beginning. This point is absolutely crucial for setting the prologue of John in its conceptual context. And interpreters who fail to consider the wisdom parallels to Logos when unpacking the contents of the prologue are simply ripping it out of its context. How will our survey of word and wisdom being, quote, with God, end quote, in Jewish text, help us better understand John chapter 1, verse 1? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is looking at depictions of the word with God in Judaism. So we'll look at a variety of passages in which God's word is portrayed and depicted as being, quote, with God. First passage we will look at is in Job 23, verse 14. It says, For he performs what is appointed for me, and many such decrees are with him. That's Job 23, verse 14. In the poetry of the book of Job, we can observe a portrayal of God's words being, quote, with him. In this passage, we see God performing what is appointed for Job. Now this phrase, what is appointed, comes from the Hebrew noun, Hoke, which indicates here a spoken stipulation. This spoken stipulation, which was appointed for Job, is clarified in the second line of the verse as being with God, and many such decrees are with him. The Hebrew preposition translated as with is the Hebrew word im. And this preposition is used hundreds and hundreds of times in the Old Testament. It is a fairly common preposition, and its basic definition means with. In regard to this verse, God's appointed spoken stipulations are with him just as the prologue of John portrays the word 
with God. It needs to be stated, although it seems obvious to most, that these spoken stipulations in this passage of Job, while they are with God, they are not portrayed as actual persons alongside God. In other words, God's words and decrees can be with him without suggesting that these are additional persons together in some holy heavenly huddle. The poetry of Job needs to be taken seriously when we interpret these passages. Our next passage, still in the book of Job, is in chapter 27, verse 11. It says, I will teach you by the power of God what is with the Almighty I will not conceal. That's Job 27, verse 11. In this passage, we again see that something is with the Almighty. The author of Job uses the typical Hebrew preposition im to portray this as being with God, just as we observed in our previous passage. What is it that is with God? It is God's teaching that which Job is instructing his readers. This teaching is said to be with God. In other words, God's spoken instruction, his words of teaching, are with him. Again, no one would dare to consider that God's spoken teaching is a conscious divine person up in heaven with God. This is yet another example of how Hebrew poetry can portray God's word and his utterance as being with him, without suggesting that this word is a second person alongside God. Let's look at another passage in Job, chapter 10, verse 13. It reads, Yet these things you have concealed in your heart. I know that this is with you. Job 10, verse 13. This passage offers us much in the same as we have already noted in Job. The things that are with God, using the typical Hebrew preposition im, are concealed in God's heart. In the context of this passage, it is God's care that is with him. But the point is the same, that these attributes of God can be depicted with poetry as being with God, without suggesting that something that is with God is anything more than a personification. In fact, the care that is with God is to be understood as in God's heart, which further unpacks what poets mean when they portray attributes like God's word or God's wisdom as being with God. 
In Hebrew poetry, when something is with God, it means that it is concealed in God's heart. This is just good, basic poetry, and it's important to remember that even the prologue of John is 18 verses of composed poetry, and therefore it needs to be read appropriately. Let's move to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 2, starting in verse 1, says, My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom. That's Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. Moving into the book of Proverbs, which is just as poetic as the book of Job, if not more so, we observe one way that the word is paralleled with God's wisdom. God's word, which is further defined as his spoken commandment, is then paralleled with God's wisdom in this passage. Furthermore, this word slash wisdom is depicted as being, quote, with you, end quote. Again, employing a common Hebrew preposition meaning with. As we can see, God's word slash wisdom can be with someone without suggesting that this word or wisdom are conscious divine persons. This chapter of Proverbs will go on to quite heavily personify wisdom as a lady who represents God's wise instruction to his people. In fact, once we accept the fact that God's word and God's wisdom were considered synonymous by many, we can broaden our search to look for passages where wisdom was with God. And it's to that point we will now turn. Our second point today is depictions of wisdom with God in Judaism. We'll go back to the book of Job, chapter 12, verse 13. This passage reads, With him are wisdom and might. To him belong counsel and understanding. That's Job chapter 12, verse 13. Returning briefly to Job, we can see that its poetry is quite capable of depicting God's wisdom as being with him. Again, we observe the Hebrew preposition im used here. We also get a clue as to what wisdom means in this passage since the parallel created by the second line clarifies wisdom as God's counsel and God's understanding. We are hardly seeing wisdom as an actual woman up there in heaven with God. Instead, we see God's wisdom, that is, God's wise counsel and his instructive understanding, being with God. Readers could see how wisdom and word 
function as synonyms in this passage. As the clarifying counsel to wisdom is, of course, a piece of spoken advice. And the wise understanding is also communicated to readers verbally. And so we can see there how wisdom and word could overlap in their functions. This passage in Job is a good example to demonstrate that wisdom was with God in just casual poetry. But what would it look like if wisdom was fully personified as a female with God? Let's look at that in Proverbs chapter 8. We'll start in verse 23. This is wisdom speaking. She says, From everlasting I was established. From the beginning, from the earliest times of the earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While he had not yet made the earth and the fields, nor the first dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he inscribed a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when the springs of the deep became fixed, when he set for the sea its boundary, so that the water would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master worker, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. That's Proverbs chapter 8, verses 23 through 30. Proverbs chapter 8 has the heaviest concentration of personification in regard to God's wisdom within the book of Proverbs. The wisdom of God has taken on a personality of her own. And in this poetic depiction, she speaks in the first person. Wisdom, or perhaps it is best to refer to her as Lady Wisdom, tells how she was present with God before the creation of the depths, the mountains, the hills, and the heavens. She was there from everlasting, from the beginning. And she is very careful to ascribe the role of creator to God alone. And when she does, she says, quote, I was there. I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, end quote. The Septuagint version of this passage even uses the Greek phrase inarchi, translated as in the beginning, which is precisely the opening Greek phrase used in John chapter 1, verse 1, to refer to the Logos. It is not difficult to see how the lines of influence from 
the portrayal of wisdom personified in Proverbs chapter 8 to the composition of the prologue of John. Both passages place a personification of an attribute of God in the beginning. Both set the personification alongside God. Both regard God as the creator, and both depict the personification as present during acts of creation. The connection between Proverbs chapter 8 and John chapter 1 is especially strong once we recognize that for the writers of the Gospel of John, the personified word and wisdom functioned as synonyms. And of course, it is vital that we follow the argument that Proverbs makes in regard to defining wisdom. That is, it is a personification as a female figure. But Lady Wisdom never is transformed from a personification into a conscious divine person alongside the one true God in heaven. Let's look at another passage. We're going to look at Sirach, chapter 1, verse 1, which says, All wisdom is from the Lord, and with him it remains forever. Sirach, chapter 1, verse 1. Now, Sirach is one of these intertestamental books that was included in the Septuagint translation of the Hebrew Bible. Sirach was written around 180 BC, and its contents appear to have been greatly influenced by the book of Proverbs. The opening verse of Sirach, chapter 1, verse 1, indicates that wisdom is with the Lord God. And this phrasing sounds a lot like John chapter 1, verse 1, where the word was with God. Now this God, according to Sirach, remains the origin of wisdom as all wisdom comes from the Lord. Sirach will detail the personification of wisdom in subsequent chapters, not unlike what we have observed in Proverbs chapter 8. So, for the writer of Sirach, the personified wisdom was with God in the beginning. Let's look at our last passage of the podcast, Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 9, verse 9. It says, With you is wisdom, she who knows your works, and was present when you made the world. That's Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 9, verse 9. Our final reference comes from another intertestamental work, the Wisdom of Solomon. This work was written around the year 40 A.D., a half-century before the time that most scholars date the Gospel of John. Wisdom of Solomon, like the book of Sirach, was included 
in the Septuagint collection of writings, and these works were read by early Christians. Wisdom of Solomon has a lengthy chapter where it quite heavily personifies wisdom as a female figure alongside God. But in our current passage, Wisdom of Solomon chapter 9 and verse 9, Lady Wisdom is said to be with God, and she was present when he created the world. Wisdom of Solomon chapter 9 and verse 9 seems, therefore, to be yet another example where God's wisdom, heavily personified, is portrayed as being, quote, with God, end quote. So, in conclusion, we have observed that our inquiry into the origins of the phrase in John chapter 1 and verse 1, quote, and the word was with God, end quote, has pointed us in the direction of Jewish text in the Hebrew Bible, as well as a handful of texts from the intertestamental books. Each of these Jewish texts predates the prologue of the Gospel of John, and each of these texts portray either God's Word or God's wisdom as being with God. Sometimes the depiction of the Word or wisdom of God is basic. It is a spoken decree, a teaching, or God's wise counsel. Most of the evidence, however, indicates that word and wisdom were personified quite heavily. These personifications allowed word and most often wisdom to appear alongside God. But the poetic portrayals of God's word and wisdom never went beyond personification. Furthermore, the texts where word and wisdom were depicted as being, quote, with God, end quote, all came from Jewish works of poetry, specifically works of Jewish wisdom literature, Job, Proverbs, Sirach, and Wisdom of Solomon. If the portrayal of the word being with God in John chapter 1 and verse 1 is dependent upon these earlier poetic Jewish depictions, then the prologue too must be interpreted as poetry. Second, we notice that when it came to the personification of God's word and God's wisdom, the two were regarded as near synonyms. Both word and wisdom were personified attributes. Both word and wisdom were depicted as the means through which God created the world. Both word and wisdom were portrayed as being with God in the beginning. And most importantly, both 
word and wisdom were often personified, but never evolved into conscious divine persons in pre-Christian Judaism. Since the prologue of John draws upon these pre-Christian Jewish depictions of the personified word and wisdom of God, it is important for interpreters to define them correctly when it comes to understanding what the prologue is trying to communicate to its readers. When we read about the Word in John chapter 1, we also need to think about similar depictions of wisdom personified as doing the same things that the Word is portrayed as doing. Since the personified Word and the personified wisdom were frequently described as being with God, then this strongly suggests that the prologue needs to be interpreted in light of these relevant Jewish wisdom texts, instead of reading the prologue in light of church councils from the 4th and 5th centuries. The context of the prologue is Jewish wisdom Christology, not church councils from 300 and 400 years later. Join us next week as we continue to explore the prologue of the Gospel of John in its Jewish context. Please consider supporting the Biblical Unitarian Podcast as it aims to promote these sound truths about the oneness and unity of God and the humanity of Jesus. You may check out this episode's description for a PayPal link. Thank you so much for joining us at the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. My name is Dustin Smith. Until next time, you folks take care.